What's the story, everyone? Welcome back to Gaelic Games Fan TV. I hope the form is good. I hope the form is well. I'm delighted to say I'm joined here today by Kildare senior footballer Kevin Feely. We're going to be running through a whole host of topics, really, on today's show. We're going to be looking back at Kildare's season, reviewing the season in great detail, discussing why there has been some inconsistency with Kildare football in the past few seasons, and even in particular this year when we think back to uh, obviously Division 2 and the National Football League. We'll be looking at that game in Crow Park, obviously in the Leinster semi-final, a game that really went down to the war and Kildare nearly somehow pulled off a miraculous win. And yeah, we'll be just having a general chit-chat about Kildare. Kevin's time obviously playing for Kildare. He also played soccer in the past as well with the likes of Bohemians and Charlton. So we'll be touching on that, some of the injury problems that he's had and obviously coming back from that as well. So delighted to have Kevin on the show. I suppose, first of all, Kevin, how's uh, things with yourself? How's life with yourself? And um, yeah, appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, all good, Aaron. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, in the, in the uh, ticket of club championship at the moment. So that's kind of occupying a lot of the focus and then just uh, tipping away with work here and there in the physio clinic. So uh, yeah, kept going anyway. It's the main thing. Happy days, happy days. Yeah, no, it would be good to just get a bit of a review and a bit of a insight I suppose into into your year with Kildare and obviously the year in general and obviously your time playing for Kildare and um even touching on some of your your, your comebacks from injuries as well which I think has been really interesting um but I suppose first of all like in, in terms of a review of the year in general like how would you look back at the season for Kildare or I suppose what would be your your overall sort of perspective on it um yeah it was it was kind of a weird season um you kind of when you if you look back and just took the last couple of games um on their own you'd kind of be lulled into thinking that it wasn't too bad and you know we looked like a decent team in the last couple of games and you know the monaghan game in particular that we could have won and when you see how competitive they were then in, in the following game um you know it's, it'd be easy to say that oh we're not too far off this kind of a thing but then when you take it against the the entire season as a whole there, there you know there probably wasn't a whole lot to be overly satisfied with um the league was was very bad and um, we had a good decent showing against dublin and leinster and um, but it would you kind of it would seem in retrospect they were only getting going at that stage they they hadn't really kind of um hit their peak yet um and then a, a, a kind of until the Ross common game we were we were very bad in the group stages of that uh, of the all ireland series thought so it was as much as the last two games were encouraging and hopefully kind of set a a bit of a blueprint for what we need to do next season and um, if still yeah as, as a whole the season wasn't great like you'd, you'd, you'd certainly be looking back and saying there was more bad games than good games and that's yeah definitely something we need to, to improve on for next year 100 percent, yeah like what why do you think there was i suppose a good bit of inconsistency wickle there because as you said like i suppose last season or the year before in Division 1, I remember Kildare, you know, I think everyone kind of agreed that Kildare were actually quite unlucky to, to go down. I think he finished with five points in the end, beat Monaghan, beat Dublin. And then I think a lot of people were expecting Kildare to be probably one of the favourites for Division 2 or certainly be in the conversation anyways for promotion. So why do you think it was such a slow start and, and Kildare did take a while to, to get out of blocks in 2023? Yeah. Um, it's... it's... It's hard to put your finger on exactly. We had a lot of turnover players um, from the previous year. We, you know, we kind of there was about eleven or twelve lads stepped away, and then you know eleven or ten new, new lads had to come in and kind of take their place. There was a bit of time to get the squad kind of bedded together and stuff like that, and that definitely impacted it a little bit. And um, 
Nace went pretty far in Leinster as well, and they, they'd make up uh, a good portion of our starting team as well, the Nace lads, and getting them back in. I think we got them back in early enough in the league, but maybe they were a bit fatigued as well after a kind of tough club season. But um, yeah, we just we just didn't produce. We didn't we didn't um, we kind of we tried to build our game plan off the way we played against Mayo in the previous year's quarterfinal or the, the round before the quarterfinal um, in the All Ireland, um, which probably was you know a game plan for that time of year on, on a big pitch and Croker fast kind of pace game and it didn't maybe suit the league because we were really really stunted in attack it felt like in all our league games we just didn't look like scoring at all um so you know maybe we just kind of came in with the wrong um wrong idea of what we should have been doing and there was the, the turnover players and then we just kind of i don't know if there was complacency or an assumption as you said because we were favorites going into the league that we'd be there thereabouts no matter what but and um, maybe, yeah, maybe subconsciously it was in the back of our heads that we were expecting to be beating the, you know, Cork and to be ultra competitive with Derry and to, um, and Loud and Clare. And these teams were probably teams that we, we were expecting to beat. And maybe subconsciously that slipped into a, a mindset of, of a bit of complacency. So, um, yeah, maybe a few reasons within that, that, that we didn't, we never got going in the league. Yeah, like I'm... I suppose what's it like in general, maybe at this time of the year, away from the county and everything else you're talking about it there, like I suppose being busy with the club and obviously club championship season and everything else. So I suppose what's it like at this time of the year, being away from the county and the, the sort of off-season period, like how, how is that normally for yourself? Um, it's it's nice. It's kind of a, it's a mental break in, in it there. Definitely there's a bit of a switch off that happens that's needed um, where you're kind of in a bit of a bubble for a long period of time and then um you kind of you switch off when you come out of it and it's a nice little kind of mental release almost like being on holidays without being on holidays kind of a thing but then you know fairly quickly the um the club scene kicks back in and you know, we're we've always been pretty competitive senior championship with a tie and so you kind of get switched back into that mode pretty quickly but um it's nice not to have the same intensity of training i suppose not in terms of what's done on the pitch but in terms of the volume um, um, and what's required in terms of how many times you have to be at, uh, at training and stuff like that comes down a little bit, um, which is always nice. So you get a little bit more opportunity to, um, you know, put more effort into social things and family things. And and in my case, you can, you can put a little bit more time into work as well, which is which is a big help. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's nice to have that bit of a switch off. But um, you kind of around this time of year, you start to feel it coming again. That's, you know that you know, a week or two after the county final, we're going to be we're going to be back at it. But you know, you, you kind of feel like you've had enough of a of a break. Um, and at that point, you know, you're almost especially when the previous year didn't end the way you would have wanted it to. You're you're pretty keen to get back into it again. So, um, yeah, definitely at the moment, just mainly focusing on the on the club championship with a tie. But uh, yeah, I'll be looking forward to up again when it does. And what what's your thoughts on the split season as well? Like I suppose since that's been introduced, like I suppose it has had plenty of mixed reviews. Like some people are for it, some people are, are are against it. But what's your kind of take on? I haven't seen it sort of take shape this year and obviously last year as well. Yeah, no, it's it, it suits the players down to the ground. It's it's ideal. Um, your your calendar is set in stone at the start of the year. You can plan holidays around it. You can plan events around it. Um, you get much you get a good bit more of a a break after the county season than you ever got previously so you would have 
normally you know if you're finishing up late july mid-august um or if you're getting to a final september there's it's straight into the thick of things with championship whereas being finished in july um or mid you know early mid-july in our case um just gives you that window where you can um you know a lot of a lot of inter- or club leagues haven't even finished at that point so if you're been short of football you can go back in and join in with your club league if you've been all footballed out with the county you get an opportunity to um maybe go on a holiday or two and and just kind of take a bit of a break and then your approach to the club season just becomes so so different so much fresher than it ever was previously you know in the previously it felt like you're coming into the club season and you're absolutely knackered you're, you're carrying a few injuries that you've been bringing through the inter-county championship and you're you're kind of you're expected to be the main one of the main players on your club team and you know there's just a lot of a kind of a lot of things that come together that make the club season sometimes very hard come championship after an inter-county season whereas now you're just approaching it with such a, a fresher mindset and such a fresher body as well so um yeah certainly it suits the players i think <clears throat> yeah and i suppose you mentioned injuries there like obviously for yourself you've had a fair fair few like kind of setbacks and in, in terms of injuries like i was looking at it there ruptured achilles i think in in 2018 and plenty of other setbacks as well so like especially during this part of the year where there is such a you know you're going from club training county or you're going from county training to club training i suppose sometimes it can be different systems different ways of training everything else like how do you how do you manage your body during during that time period and how do you manage to get yourself to to be right i suppose for when the county season does come around but also being right for your club as well um yeah it's 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 more yeah it's kind of a maintenance thing so you're the sometimes you feel like the worst thing you could do would be to completely stop the level or the intensity training you've been doing as at a county player for too long of a period of time so if you kind of stop completely doing gym sessions doing your rehab work doing your um running work for you know too long of a time even longer than two or three weeks you'll you'll detrain very quickly and you'll, you'll lose the condition you built up over the months and and then when you start back into the club, a lot of the time, that's where a lot of the injuries can kind of prevent, pre- present itself. And um, when you're going back into, you know, where, where the club is now approaching a period of real high intensity coming into championship, that transition there can be can be tricky if you've. Even I think it's important, even though the, the volume might drop down a little bit, that you, you keep taking over, that you're in touch with your strength and conditioning coach with the um, inter-county team asking for a maintenance program to keep you going through the the club season um that's something i do regularly and, and i'd be sh- like sure to be in touch with the, the physio with the inter-county team as well and say is right didn't they feel like i should be continuing doing from a rehab and prehab point of view throughout the club season um, and i'll make sure i stay on top of that um, and then once the club season finishes and you, you've had your bit of bit of a break and um, just kind of bringing back in um some sessions on your own again you, you've kind of when you've been playing as long as you kind of have at this point, you, you have an idea of what you should be doing for um, gym work and for running sessions in the in preparation for preseason. So, um, usually a couple of weeks before preseason kicks in, I, I'll start doing a few sessions on my own, um, on running wise on the pitch and then and in the gym just to have the body somewhere ready for when preseason starts. That it's not too, you know, um, too drastic of a change in in training volume and intensities, and that that kind of goes a long way i think towards preventing um a lot of main injuries anyway yeah like because i was seeing even glenn ryan like speaking about obviously when he came on 
in the Leinster Championship game against, against Dublin and, and sort of praising you for, for, for coming back and everything else. Like, I suppose mentally when you keep getting injury setback after injury setback and it looks like you're coming back and then it looks like you're back to, to full fitness and then you have another setback, like how do you, like what are the thoughts sort of going through your head at that point? Um, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely challenging. Um, you know, the, the last couple of years I had a, a good bit of that going on, and it's a lot of it is kind of it's it's stupidity on my part where I, I feel I'm rushing back to get back because I'm, I'm worried about missing out on things. I'm worried about losing fitness, and I end up kind of convincing myself that I'm I'm okay to to train and play when you know possibly I should, well no definitely I should know better that I'm not especially given the, the industry that I work in, but um, yeah, that, that can be tough um, having recurrences and, and repeat injuries, repeat medium and long-term injuries. Um, but you kind of, you find ways of coping with it mentally. There's, you, you, you put your um, your effort and your priority into other aspects of your life, whether that be work or family or coaching or doing more with the club, whatever it is. You just find something else to take up the, the majority of your life and see can you um, direct your energy into that while still kind of keeping a, a long-term goal in mind with your um with your rehab and coming back to play um and as much as that's tough to do if you can kind of embrace that mindset early on it's a it's a huge help um and you just have I, the unfortunate thing is the more injuries you get the better you get at at dealing with them and um, so you get a bit more experience in terms of how to deal with them from mentally and from a mindset perspective so um yeah i feel like i have enough kind of um structures in place to be able to deal with injuries as they come along now and I'm hopefully maturing a little bit in terms of not rushing back as much as I would have done um, in recent years uh, and trying to make uh, more informed decisions and, and listen to me physio a little bit better than what I have been but yeah it, it is tough you know absolutely absolutely yeah and, and even taking it back to, to that Dublin game in particular the Leinster Championship the semi-final like as a Dublin fan, I, I was at the game. I was on the hill, and I suppose as you know, speaking to Dublin fans going into the game, I think generally the consensus is anyway in most Leinster Championship games is that this is probably going to be you know a, a seven, eight, nine point win, or it's going to be comfortable as it probably has been predominantly against Kildare sort of in the in the last ten years in the Leinster Championship. But like that game was, it was close in the end. You know, it was only a, a two point win for Dublin, and you know like even when you look at that game, I think there was a moment in the second half where Kildare are, I think, three points ahead in the second half. Like, there, there definitely was a consensus there that Kildare possibly could have beaten Dublin that day and possibly could have could have ended the, you know, the reign of dominance that Dublin have had in, in Leinster over the last 12 years. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's it kind of, thankfully, it's taken long enough, but it hopefully it's trending back, trending back towards being a little bit more competitive anyway, the, the Leinster Championship for however long it lasts after the next couple of years, which mightn't be much longer. But um, the, the yeah, the, the, a big a big turning point for us probably was in the league um, last year, um, winning down in Newbridge. Um, we I, None of us had beaten Dublin in our, no one in that panel had beaten Dublin in their senior careers. And that was a big kind of barrier to get over um, mentally more than anything else. It actually, see, geez, we, we, we have the, ability to do this on a good day um, and I think that really helped with our belief coming into last season when we knew we were going to be playing Dublin a, few, a couple of times um, and as well as that Dublin aren't as, as good as they were two or three years ago as well and that kind of very slow decline because they're still the best team in the country but they're just not 
you know, 20 points is the best team in the country like they used to be. But um, that slow decline of Dublin, plus us hopefully, you know, trending in the right direction is what made the games a little bit tighter. Um, and the, the belief is there that, um, as I said, if, if we have a good day and um, Dublin maybe aren't firing on all cylinders, that we can hopefully get a get that kind of Leinster Championship win we've been looking for. So even yeah, even last year, those two games in Croker, the league and the Leinster Championship semi-final, will take big belief from that. What was the feeling like even, sort of, I suppose, being on the sidelines and seeing the game sort of play out in the way that it did? Yeah, no, that, um, yeah, I was, I was kind of getting at is that the, there was definitely a big, a kind of huge amount of belief that we took from that, um, that probably stemmed from the, the win in the league the year before, where we kind of got over that hurdle of, um, well, can we actually beat Dublin? And we managed to do that in Newbridge, um, and then the league game uh, in Croker that or uh, this year, the year just gone by as well, where there was only a point or two in it as well. Um, that kind of probably established a little bit more belief in in us than we'd had previously, and um, I think the you know the gap had closed a little bit um, in, from three or four years ago, where Dublin were most definitely un- unbeatable uh, in Leinster, or as now they've come down a little bit, and we've hopefully trended in the right direction a small bit, and um, yeah, I think those two things combined kind of led to a, an area or led to a point where we actually believe we can do it now but um still uh, when it mattered there in championship um we weren't able to close it out so there's definitely just there's a lot to work on and then also down in Kilkenny afterwards Dublin you know coming off the back of not being great against Roscommon they came out really fired up against us in down in Kilkenny and um yeah they, they were by a good a good distance a better team that day so um yeah I think there's definitely steps in the right direction to and catching Dublin and, and hopefully being a little bit more competitive with them uh, more often than not when it matters. Um, but still a bit, a bit to go, I think, definitely. Yeah, like how do you approach a game like that, even coming up against a team like Dublin, like who I suppose have won 12 Leinster titles in a row? And I think everyone sort of had their say on the Leinster Championship and, and how one-sided of a championship it's obviously been over the last decade. So... Like as players and management and everything else, like how do you like go in and approach a game like that when I suppose Dublin have been what you know 25, 26 games I think in a row and beaten in that championship in that provincial championship. So like how do you even go into a game like that? What's the feeling like going into it? Um, yeah, well, as I said, we never went into a game thinking that we didn't have a chance of winning. Um, certainly in 2018, 19, some of those games we. The belief maybe wasn't there throughout the whole squad, um, but I think last year and the year before, now it, everyone does feel like there's a good chance we can we can win a game if we set ourselves up right and if everyone performs to their absolute best. Now, in saying that, I still think it's, it's at a point where we need everyone playing 15 starters plus five coming on to have absolute stormers and for Dublin, for half of Dublin's team to not play well, that's probably still where it is at the moment, but... Um, yeah, the, the approach is initially how do you make sure you stay in the game early on, which I think a lot of teams are, are learning with Dublin is, is really, really important that you set up maybe a little bit conservatively in the first half to make sure you're still in the game at half time, um, And that's something we've been able to do at least in the last three games. So that's kind of been our, our building block. Um, but similar to when teams play Limerick hurlers and do that, it takes a lot of energy to do that. And it, it seems to be in the in the kind of 
last third of the game where Dublin's kind of fitness and I suppose a superior belief that they, they know they can kind of come at you again in the last quarter seems to be taken over. But um, yeah, the, the first thing is to be in the game. Um, and now the next thing that we haven't done yet is to build on that and see can we finish a little bit stronger. Um, and probably, and as you said, in that in that, in that uh, championship match, we were three points up with 20 minutes left or whatever. That that should be a position where you're able to see out the game. But um, at the moment, that's that's the weak part that we need to work on is when we get ourselves into that position, how can we get better at managing the game and making sure that we come out on the right side of it. Absolutely, yeah. Like, and what what's your thoughts in general in the you know on the Leinster Championship? I mean, it has been so one-sided, obviously, over the last sort of you know ten to fifteen years. Obviously, only one other, one other county has won the competition since I think two thousand and four, and going back. Um, so, I suppose as you know, someone from Kildare is obviously playing for Kildare. I suppose you you see all the time, you know, a lot of criticism that gets I suppose put towards Dublin and. I suppose maybe the fact that there is such an advantage that Dublin have over the rest of the province. So, like, what's what's your sort of thoughts on the Leinster Championship in general? And do you think even there should be some changes, or even some people have said before that it should be scrapped altogether? Like, what would be your take on that? Um, yeah, I, it's it's a tricky one because you get you, like it's you can't really talk about the Leinster Championship on its own. Like, the the provincials have to be talked as a as a four as four kind of things. Like, you couldn't keep the Ulster Championship and scrap the Leinster Championship and have, you know, it probably has to be one all in or, or none kind of a thing, but, and with how competitive Ulster is, it's, it's, it makes it tricky, you know, Ulster is a good championship to, to watch and to play in and there's more competitive games there than there is, than there isn't, um, which is different from a lot of the games in Munster, Leinster and, and in some cases Connacht, but um, yeah, it's, it's probably not serving a great purpose at the moment. Um, I like the change they made last year, um, in that it, it kind of it's not as important, but still has some relevance to your standing in the All Ireland series. Um, but you know, I, I could probably see it even uh, go, coming behind the league in terms of importance now, where it's, it might be played as the as the preseason competition or the pre-league competition. Um, and I don't, you know, and then for the league to to have all the bearing on where your standings are for the All Ireland series, but um, you know, selfishly and as a Kildare person who's kind of watched um, the '98 and 2000 Kildare teams winning the the Leinster title, it's you know the nostalgic part of me would love for it to stay until we win one, and then you can scrap it after that. But uh, it's uh, realistically, it's probably something that does need further addressing although last year was a good start um it still was important so it still retained some of its um you know some of its importance in that if you went one it, it stood to you in the all-ireland series um but it wasn't the be-all and end-all and i think that was that was a positive thing and um, but then also you saw with mayo getting knocked out in the first round how they kind of gave them six weeks of an opportunity to prepare for the all-ireland series which they ended up competing really well in at the start. So yeah, there's there's pros and cons to it at the moment, but I think the steps they made last year towards reducing the importance of the provincials is probably the right direction to go in terms of making the, the All Ireland series more fair. Absolutely, yeah. Like and I suppose like that there has been lots of chat as well with Dublin obviously being in Crow Park and having a lot of their matches obviously in, in Crow Park, like playing all their league games in Crow Park and then it obviously comes to Leinster the semi-finals and, and the finals are in Crow Park. Like, would you be in favour for it to be 
I suppose mixed around. I suppose he wouldn't be opposed to, I'm sure, playing Dublin in in Newbridge or or anything like that or Park Talchian. So would you be in favour of even moving it around a little bit more, sort of around the province? Um yeah, but yeah, I don't you know, there's probably no real need for semi-finals to be there. Um, especially if double headers aren't bringing anywhere near the crowds that I think they're they'd be hoping that they're bringing for a double header semi-final. I don't know where they're did we, you know, did we hit twenty five or thirty thousand the last day with two matches? I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely room for those matches to, to not be in Croke Park. But you know, with it being the national stadium and, and Leinster's main stadium, I still, if there's going to be Leinster finals, they probably still should be played there. Um, but until I, yeah, it's, it's kind of a vicious circle with Dublin because until they have a ground that can accommodate all their fans for the league. They're never not going to be in Coke Park, but it, then is it in their interest to build that ground if they continue to get the advantage of playing in Coke Park? It's you know, it's a yeah. it's a tricky situation that way. So I don't see that change. And I think Dublin will always play their league games in in Coke Park until this um, centre of excellence or this new stadium um, is built for Dublin. Um, which again, I, I don't see that happening anytime in the in the near future. But um, yeah, that that's probably. A, a, a bit of an unfair thing that they play their home league games there, but it's not going to change. So, and we've recognised that a long time ago. So, it's not something that we dwell upon anymore or try and let bother us. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, like I think the problem is like Parnell Parks in a residential area. So, I think trying to yeah. improve or increase, it, I think would would cause all sorts of problems. But what's going to happen in the future? I suppose we'll we'll have to wait and see. But in general, like you think, you think Kildare are, are closing the gap anyway on on Dublin. Like even when you look at the the underage success as well of Kildare, like obviously under twenty All Ireland winners this year in the final last year as well. Like there does definitely seem to be something brewing with Kildare at underage level. Even like looking at your panel this season, last season, seems to be a lot of younger lads sort of making the the step up and the breakthrough. So there definitely does seem to be something brewing in Kildare that maybe wasn't there sort of 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, no, that, like then the optimist in you would definitely say, you know, that's that that's the case. Like we have a, a, a good bit of underage success coming through now, um, and and a lot of actually really good young coaches coming out of Kildare as well, which I think is going to stand to in the future. I think I think there's there's room for um, for people like that to get involved and really really help things as well. So um, yeah, I do think that the future is great. I know I, I think last year was a a backward step from the year before unfortunately but maybe it's a case of you know you have to go back a step to joke go forward too but um you know we've had really successful underage teams in the last 10 years as well that and hasn't necessarily yet translated into senior success but um i'd be hopeful that the two kind of under 20 all ireland winning teams combined with a, a group of lads that are hitting their peak now who also have some underage success behind them and some really good young coaches and Kildare and um, who have won stuff on under 20s and, and won stuff in other counties as well and um, coming through over the next you know few years I think that'll that'll make a big difference to Kildare and it hopefully yeah as you said the, the fact that Kildare seemed to be consistently beating Dublin minor and, and under 20 the last few years uh, and Mead um, who are also particularly strong at that age well you know it has to stand to us in some at some point um, so I'd be hopeful that that'll be the case in a few years time anyway. Yeah, and have you seen that and sort of change maybe in the last sort of couple of years with Kildare or has this been something that's always brewing? Because even when you look at sort of through the, the history books, like I was even having a look at Kildare's record at under 20 level and I think prior to 
2016 i think kildare had been in the final i think in 2008 and then before that you'd have to go back to the 60s and 70s so and even when you look at hurling as well like kildare seems to be hugely on the rise there as well you talked about nice and sort of the the, the players they're developing in both football and hurling so has there been a huge initiative sort of in kildare do you think in the last couple of years or is this just something that's finally sort of come together or, or what you reckon has been the the main reason yeah. maybe for some of the success on the age level I think it's um, a lot of it is the 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 kind of I suppose the scheme that Dublin put in place twenty years ago that led to the success that started ten years ago. All the Leinster counties have copied that just ten years later than Dublin, and it's all probably just coming to fruition now in Kildare. And the the resources are have always been there in Kildare, but maybe the structure wasn't. Whereas more recently they've been getting that in place an awful lot better, and the development squads are are casting a wider net and they're keeping kids involved a little bit more and the quality of the coaching that they're getting and the bringing in of SNC and nutrition and all like this, this only really started in, in the last seven or eight years in Kildare. Um, whereas, as I mentioned, Dublin were miles ahead of the game there 20 years ago, bringing that stuff in and, and it stood to them. So I think that's probably a, a huge kind of area where, a lot of the Leinster teams have come on in, in recent years and and why the Leinster underage championships are a lot more competitive now um, and a lot, you know, you're getting a wider spread of winners as well, um, as well as the Hurling kind of starting to get a little bit more competitive in, in Leinster too. So um, I'd say that's the, that's the main reason. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like and even looking at that Roscommon win as well, sort of earlier, earlier in the season or towards the end, like obviously for yourself, kicking the winner, I'd imagine that's a... A, a great feeling and everything else and I suppose beating winning that game beating Roscommon um, obviously there was a there was a good bit of hype around Roscommon obviously at that moment in, moment in time like they nearly beat Dublin a couple of weeks ago a couple of weeks previous to that they beaten Mayo uh, obviously in the championship that year as well so I suppose it, it did feel like a big win for, for Kildare at the time because I think on from an outside looking in there, there probably wasn't many people who gave Kildare much of a chance in that match anyway yeah, no, it was it was a, a, a cool match. Um, yeah, as, as I said, we weren't favourites coming into the game. Um, and that's, for some reason, every year we come into a game against a big team as not favourites. And it seems to get us up for the game um, in ways that we don't aren't able to get up for other games. And that was just, that was the game that it happened for this year where we were a little bit written off. We were kind of fed up with ourselves and how we'd been performing again in the Sligo game and the Dublin game and it was just kind of a breaking point it was either like you know either we show what we're made of today or or not at anything and and again it came together nicely that we got onto our, probably our favorite pitch outside of Newbridge we always seem to be playing in Tullamore in, in, in Leinster and um, got the players common there and, and they were probably a team that had peaked already in the season and were kind of coming down from that um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of things came together that day. We got our team selection right for um, probably the first time in the year as well, and, and things we had a nice balance to the team and a good crowd up and up until the more. So um, yeah, it was it was a brilliant feeling to show um, ourselves and, and our own supporters that we're better than what we had been showing up to that date. Um, so yeah, that was that was one of the probably that was definitely obviously the high point of the season. Um, it was just a pity where you couldn't get over the line against Monaghan because you probably could have gained a bit of momentum off the back of that. But um, in fairness, you couldn't argue with, with us being knocked out at the last 12 stage because none of our, our form going to that point didn't 
you know, we, we probably didn't deserve to be getting into a quarter final based on the year we'd had. So you can't look back on it and say, and with too much bitterness, because um, yeah, the, the eight teams that got through ahead of us at this point in time are, are, are better teams than us. So, you know, you couldn't argue with it too much. Yeah, when you look at it, obviously, as you were saying there with the Monaghan game, like you're, I think you were in front going into injury time. And even when you look at Monaghan in general, obviously going on to, to, to beat an Armagh via penalty shootout and get to a semi final. Like, I suppose you're, you're, you're always going to have probably your, your Dublin and your Kerrys and, and maybe Mayo, Tyrone, or these teams always going to be there, thereabouts. But when you look at it, it does feel anyway, from a Kildare perspective, that you're not a million miles off maybe getting to, you know, if you, if you can see sides like Monaghan getting to the semi final or, Derry bridging the gap like they have in the last couple of years, like it's probably looking at it, no reason why Kildare can't, you know, reach a quarter final or possibly even a semi final if I suppose the luck kind of goes your way on the day. Do you know that way? Yeah, no, absolutely, and that do a huge amount for everyone's confidence if you're able to get to that point. Um, but I suppose what a lot of the teams you've mentioned there have done over the last few years is like has been they've all consolidated their spot in in Division One or at least had three, four consecutive seasons up there um, kind of almost hardening themselves with, with top quality games every single year. Um, we haven't done that yet. So every time we've been in Division 1 since uh, 2013, we've gone back straight down again the year after. Um, so that that's probably the next step for us. For, you know, we, I think personally, Kildare need to focus on doing that first um, because we always perceive ourselves as a top eight team, but the reality doesn't suggest that we are. Um, so until we kind of consolidate that, I think if us getting to a quarter final and semi final could happen, but um, the teams you've mentioned have all earned their spot there, if that makes sense. Whereas we haven't kind of earned the right to call ourselves a, a team that should be getting to a quarter final or semi final just yet. But if it was to happen, it'd be brilliant. And if we got a bit of momentum for it from us and continued on to, to better things, that'd be obviously unbelievable. But for it to be sustainable and for us to really kind of become a a team to be reckoned with we just we need to we just need to be so much more consistent than we are um so that that set definitely has to be the, the next step for Kildare. absolutely like and new championship structure obviously this season as well like obviously you had the the new group stages that were that were brought in um i suppose following on from from, from the provincial championships like would you prefer the group stages or you know the old qualifier system like i suppose the group stages do give you more games and obviously with the fact that it's three teams the progress like i suppose it gives you gives you a chance of you know getting through the group it's nearly impossible not to get through the group so what were your thoughts on in general on the new championship structure coming in yeah i mean good yeah i think i think they're i think they're good and they're fair and uh, the split all ireland is, is a great idea i think i, I think even the, the teams that have ended up playing in the talchin cup would still be in favor of that and and they can't really argue with the chance, with the fact that they all have opportunities to progress in the All Ireland as well. It's 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 really good, and I I really like the fact that more often than not now, the best eight teams are going to end up in a quarter final, or the best twelve teams are going to end up in the excuse me in the knockout phases because because of the amount of games you have to play to get there. No one's going to fluke their way through, you know, and, and I, I, I just like that. I think that's 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 the way it should be. Um, our, our championship used to be unique in that when it was, you know, not when it was straight knockout, or if you got lucky in the with a run in the qualifiers, you know, any team could end up in in a quarterfinal or semi final. And as exciting as that was, it didn't probably probably represent the who the best teams around were. Whereas I like the fact that now it does, 
Um, yeah, I know what you mean about the three teams going through where that can be, um, you know, it can take a little bit of the excitement away from the group stages um, and that could be tweaked easily to to just having two teams and, and skipping straight to a, a quarterfinal. I'm sure it's something they'll look at. Um, but in saying that, it, there was no real dead rubber matches in the last game in the group stages this year. Um, whereas if you brought it in that only two went through there definitely would be um, a good few dead rubbers. So it's it's hard to know which is the better of the, the two options in that regard. Um, I'd probably be for just two going through and, and straight to a quarterfinal, but um, either option is good and, and a step in the right direction, for in, in my opinion anyway. So, um, yeah, I would be, would be a fan of the new system so far. Yeah, like, and, and does it even change the, the approach even throughout the, throughout the season? Because I was even listening to... Davy Burke speaking, I think, on Tommaso Shea's podcast earlier in the season. And I suppose, obviously, the fact that there is more games now and there's, there's more intense games and they're coming quick and fast. Whereas, I suppose, you know, three, four, five years ago, there would have been, you know, two, three, sometimes even a month's break between between matches. So does it even change your your approach and and how things sort of look on a, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, when you do have so many congested games sort of, come and take faster or maybe as players you know that's something you really enjoy at the same time um yeah i'd say it's definitely impacted what training weeks look like um i'd say the, the amount of training and the intensity of training is, or like how long you're spending on the training field isn't what it used to be because there's more games um but again that's that's not a bad thing at all that's that's you know it's a great thing you're playing more matches and training less is what we all want um yeah i, I don't think I don't think there's too many matches or anything like that. I don't think they're coming too thick and fast. Um, you know, again, in club league games, a lot of teams are expected to play 15, 16 league games, you know, mostly back-to-back with the odd weekend in between. It's not, it's not something we're not accustomed to. Um, and we're not that special of a sport that we need four weeks break between each match. You know, the matches are intense, but they're not that intense. They're, you know, you're well able to recover. Um in in the week or two weeks or whatever it is so um yeah i'd, I'd imagine the congestion in the matches affects or has changed what training looks like but it's that it doesn't really limit what you can do from like you know it, it just means coaches have to coach a little bit better and be better at how they deliver their message without the need for you know extremely hard running sessions that will absolutely kind of flog you uh, from week to week so um there's yeah i don't, I don't there's no no downside again either to to match congestion i think when you know early on in the season for the college guys they become it's a bit of an issue when they're playing you know three matches in a week that that can that's burnout and that's injuries but um as the season gets going and it's league game into provincial into championship you you just become kind of used to it and, and your body adapts to that level of load and it's it's uh, it's not an issue really i don't think yeah like and I suppose there is a lot of chat at the moment maybe about the, the demand of Gaelic football and, and everything else. And I suppose that, you know, it's becoming a thing nearly every year where you see big players obviously opting out. Like even in my own county, Dublin, we've had many players who've, who've opted out in the last sort of few years and maybe haven't made themselves available. And obviously you don't know, you don't always know the, the reasons. There could be personal reasons involved. You, you just never know. But like, what's your take on, I suppose, the, the demand in Gaelic football and in terms of how it's, um, sort of increased over the last couple of years and uh, in the last sort of 10 years or so because like there is that thing now is 
as people have been saying, like is Gaelic football as fun maybe as what it was, you know, six, seven years ago. It does seem to me maybe more so of a results driven sport nowadays. But what would be your take on that? Um yeah, it's I, I can yeah, I can understand completely why lads would opt out. It's if it's if it's not definitely your priority and not definitely your passion and you you don't have a real personal motivation to do it, then it's hard going. Um and you're probably better off taking your year out and, and you know do what you need to do from a travel and social perspective. Um the the what's involved in it depends a lot, a lot on the manager. Um I would say in the last two or three years the demand has come down quite a bit um from when I first came back from from England into it and even from chatting to a lot of lads who would have played in the kind of 2006 to 2012 era it had come down even a bit from then like if you know for example Kildare players under the McGinney era and the amount they trained was was equal to or if not more than what I was doing in England playing soccer um professionally the man probably 10 years ago was a bit excessive um and yeah chatting to Kildare lads that were involved in that McGinney era um and other counties around that time as well it was it was more than what I would have been doing as a you know as a professional in playing soccer in England um and then it kind of leveled out a little bit and but now I would say in the last two or three years it's it's even less but again that's dependent on the manager and what they want to do with, with the with the team but um maybe there's more gone into the time that you're there so if you're going down on a Tuesday evening it used to just be go down get on the pitch train and go home whereas now it's go down maybe do your see the physio do your rehab have a, a, a meeting about tactics go on the pitch come back in do video analysis so in, in that regard maybe there's more done in one session but uh, in terms of the amount of times you have to go to training um you know in season pitch sessions uh, and a match at the weekend and then one gym session where everyone has to be there so that's just four times a week which is a lot different to uh four or five years ago where it was usually five or six times a week so it's probably come down a little bit that way in terms of what's involved but i think that's because managers are becoming a lot more understanding of what what amount of training is needed and what's ideal in terms of preparing uh, players for a match and then also showing a little bit of common sense for guys who have to uh, work potentially in dublin and commute down or people who have to work different hours or are on sites and, and maybe don't need to be coming down for a gym session when they've been on a site all day kind of a thing but um yeah, that, that's definitely down to the, the each individual manager. But in terms of the match, the game being less enjoyable, um, I don't think that's because of overtraining or anything like that. Um, I think it comes down to a bit more what you said the the results driven thing. It's teams are more teams and managers are more likely to set up to be um, risk averse and, and not concede than going to win a game, um, which is understandable because that's the that's what achieves the best results at the moment. But the actual the actual playing of the game is is definitely not as as fun as it was you know 10 12 15 years ago um trying to score a point is like playing a game of chess at the moment to break down a, a mass defense whereas um you know in years gone by without the thought that went in that goes into defensive setups now it was you know if you were winning your 1v1 battle it was that's where the enjoyment was. Um, whereas, you know, there's there's very few 1v1 battles these days outside of the full back and full forward lanes. Yeah, like, why do you think teams have maybe gone that way over the last 
couple of years or so like do you think maybe it's because of the fact that you do have you know your, your dublin carries who maybe are so dominant and and then i suppose the lesser counties are trying whatever way possible really to win matches or, or pick up points like what what do you reckon it's it's down to yeah that, that's that's definitely a huge a huge part of it was dublin's dominance um uh, and then the success of teams going very defensive against dublin and limiting them and obviously teams people wanted to uh, mimic that and copy that and then obviously coaching you know coaching will continue to develop to develop in the game um but if the rules allow you to um concede less points with different strategies coaches will come up with ways of doing that and and that's what's happening as coaches are trying are finding ways to be really really defensively solid um and to to bring that into their tactics and game plans um which is turning the game into a completely possession-based game as opposed to a contest-based game and um, it means scoring a point doesn't look as nice um, from a spectacle point of view as, as it used to and it doesn't happen as, as quickly as it used to um, but I think the GA are looking into that now and seeing if there's maybe a few tweaks they could bring in that would incentivize um, attack and play as opposed to uh, reward and defensive setup so um, hopefully they'll be able to bring that in and, and make the game that little bit um, more enjoyable to play and to watch, you know. Yeah, and you mentioned there, obviously, having been involved with a few different clubs in in soccer, obviously Bohemians, Charlton Athletic, a, a few others. Like, how 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 would you say like the the training and the intensity with those clubs maybe compares to the training with a with an intercounty side like Kildare? Obviously, I suppose amateur game in in Gaelic football and obviously professional. I suppose to a certain extent, obviously with Bohemians and, and Charlton and everything else, but how would you compare the two? Um, yeah, again, the, the amount of training when I came back to uh, Kildare initially was very similar. Um, as I said previously, that's that's come down a lot now. Um, but yeah, the, probably the big difference was the recovery time and, and the training in the evenings. You don't get to recover like you do after training in the mornings and afternoons with, with professional soccer. Um, in terms of the resources available, there was very little difference. Um, in intercounty uh, GA, you have every resource you could possibly want nearly available to you from a performance perspective and a medical perspective. Um, so they, they compare very similarly in that regard. Um, and a lot of the, the coaching and tactics and thought that goes into it is, is very similar. I, I'd imagine managers and coaches probably find intercounty uh, football as close to a full-time job without being one as as possible and uh, it seems like there's just a huge amount of logistics that go into it for preparation um it, like it's it's a really big job to manage an inter-county team these days um so in, in that regard it's probably very similar but um yeah in terms of the the amount of training we do now compared to what you would have been doing uh, as a professional in soccer it's it's nearly come down to half, um, I'd say. So it's, um, it doesn't really compare anymore. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. GA just seems to follow that cycle of saying, oh, we're amateur, we do too much. And then they come back down to what an amateur team should train like. And then someone gets ideas of, you know, bringing things back up again. And it's just a little kind of cycle of, of doing that. So like, yeah, until it decides whether it's amateur, properly amateur or not, it'll just keep doing that, I think. Yeah, like and yeah, I suppose like was it was it always an ambition to to come back and and play for Kildare? Like, did you always have that idea? Maybe sort of when you were playing for for Bohemians or Charlton that 
you know, one day you would come back and and, and play into county football for Kildare? Um, I, I, no, I wouldn't have been like my number one priority until I got the opportunity to to do the do it was to play professional soccer. That was that was always number one. Um, then as I was kind of as Kildare minors and under twenty ones and a tie all started going well. Football started kind of eating into my life. The football started eating into me ambitions a little bit more, um, to the point where there actually was a pretty hard decision to make before I went and committed full time with, with Bose. Um, but even at that point, I was always in the back of my mind that I want to try and achieve this goal of being a professional soccer player first and foremost. That was always what I wanted to do growing up. Um, it was only by chance that I moved to a tie and, and, and Gaelic football kind of came into my life as something that I really loved as well. But um, yeah, it was more so about a year or two into um, being in the UK that I realised I was how much I, I wanted to um, play, come back and play for Kildare. And I seen my own age group, under 21 team, um, Kildare, they won a Leinster in 2013 that I, I would have been part of. I found that tough. And then seeing kind of 13 out of that team go on and play for the the seniors in the next two years kind of was just and realizing that I was probably a little bit better at, at GA than I was at soccer and would found it a little bit easier and kind of all influenced me to to make the call to come home. Yeah, did it definitely give the county a, a big boost and even yourself a big boost in 2016 when I suppose winning that All Ireland under 20 level? Um, in 2018. Oh, 2018, yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, oh, that was a big boost. Yeah, um, for yeah, like, like you said, I think it had been a long, long time before Kildare had won another twenty-one All Ireland before, and um, they won the, the All Ireland in twenty eighteen. There was lots of Leinster successes, but no All Ireland. So, um, that age group and the likes of Jimmy Highland and a few others coming out of that team, uh, yeah, that that was definitely a big boost. Yeah, like, and I suppose like for yourself, like, what's the the, the plan for your next one? Like, I know obviously you're. Uh, have, have your own obviously business at the moment athletic therapy like how how did that come about or or, or what kind of led you to, to get interested in in that um no it was just what i went straight into after secondary school um, i went to dcu and did went straight into athletic therapy and training there that's a, a four-year degree um i had two years of it done before i went to the uk and i just came home finished those two years um did a master's in strength conditioning in carroll it and then opened my own clinic pretty much uh, straight after that um so i've been yeah, doing this five and a half years now um up in tala in enemy ter- territory um but uh it's yeah it's great I, I love dealing with different injuries and different aspects of pain and performance and stuff like that so it's outside of playing sport it's, it's probably what i'm most uh, most passionate about so um yeah i love doing it and plan is to, to continue doing that as best i can Happy days, happy days. Yeah, like did it, did it help even with your own recovery then as well? I'd imagine like it probably played a big, big big factor in the fact that I suppose you were able to come back in the way that you have. Yeah, I think so. It probably yeah, kind of takes away a little bit of the the fear factor that some other people might have when they're not a hundred percent sure of what is and isn't okay to do um, throughout an injury. Whereas having that bit of a background in the industry kind of gave me the confidence to to push things a little bit quicker without. Um, without that fear factor, I suppose. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely beneficial in in that way. But then, it's I find it it's important as well that I always have someone else to be accountable to as well, not just myself. Because it, you can either get too far ahead of yourself or too far behind yourself if you don't have someone else kind of checking in with you that you can be bouncing ideas off and and being assessed by. So, 
um, it definitely helps, but I do always kind of use the, the services of someone else if I, if I can to, to help me. Yeah, and what, what would you say is the objective then overall for Kildare maybe next season, obviously in Division 2? Um, and I suppose obviously you have the all or in group stages probably coming up later in the year if all goes well. So what would be the, the general objective or the plan, do you think, for, for next season? Um, to be a lot further away from the, the Talton Cup spots than we were last year. Uh, that's number one. Um, if that results in a, in a promotion, even better again. Um, but Division 2 looks pretty nasty next year in terms of the teams that are involved. So it'll be, um, it's going to be very tough to get out of there. We'll just be looking to see, can we put together an awful lot more consistent performances um, that kind of better reflect where we are as a team than, than last year. Um, and then if yeah, if we can build on that into championship and and get a get a, a decent run going in the in the group stages, we'd love to to break that barrier of getting to a quarterfinal, which uh, we haven't done since since twenty fourteen. So um, I'd imagine yeah, that's that's where the the priorities will be next year. Perfect, yeah, and I, and I suppose to finish up, like if I was to ask you if there was one thing you could achieve with the Kildare footballers between now and. The time you finish up, like realistically, what would you, what would you lean towards? Um, a, a season in Division One without being relegated. I'd love to do that. Um, yeah, I win win in Leinster as much as Leinster Leinster titles might be on the, uh, on the down like on the way out. Um, if there was an opportunity to win one before it was gone, I'd absolutely love that. And then yeah, to to play in a, in an All Ireland quarter final. That's uh, something I haven't done since coming home from. England so yeah, they'd be the, the things I'd love to do good stuff good stuff well look I appreciate you jumping on Kevin much appreciate your time and um, yeah best of luck for, for next season and everything else much appreciate thanks for being here no thank you very much for watching if you could hit the like button and subscribe it'd be very much appreciated if you can share this out to your friends and family even better and yeah we'll be doing more player interviews and everything else over the next while so stay tuned for that and my name is Aaron and I'll speak to you all soon